Thank you for joining ReachMD XM157 for this month's special series, Spotlight on Neurology and Psychiatry. 40 million Americans suffer from movement disorders. What role does rehab play for them? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, author of You Can Think Like a Psychiatrist, your host, and with me today is Dr. Cindy Ivanhoe. Dr. Ivanhoe is attending physician at the Brain Injury and Stroke Program at the Institute for Rehabilitation and Research and medical director of Mentis Neuro Rehab in Houston, Texas. She is also an associate professor at Baylor College of Medicine. Welcome to ReachMD. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Dr. Ivanhoe, let's start with the basics. What is a movement disorder? A movement disorder is a neurological issue that affects the way people move. It can affect their muscle tone, the coordination of their movements. They can have tremors, such as in Parkinson's disease, and basically can affect every system of their body. Now, how common are these? They are probably more common than people think. About 40 million Americans are affected with movement disorders. Many of those are undiagnosed. And patients can take several years before they actually find a physician who has an idea about how to treat them or recognizes that this is something that can be treated. Why is it so hard to pick up? I think that there is some lack of awareness or a lack of knowledge. And even when people recognize that there's a movement disorder, they don't often realize that there are treatments available to patients that can help improve the quality of their lives. A lot of movement disorders are going to be permanent. And there is often sort of a tendency for people to just think that their patients need to just live with it. Okay, so they may have the diagnoses right, but they're not quite sure about the latest treatments. Yes, or sometimes the presentation can be subtle initially, and then as a result, the movement disorder is missed. If a patient sees a family practice or primary care doc, at what point is it appropriate for them to refer on these patients with movement disorders? Well, of course, I have a bias as I treat so many of these patients. (laughs) That early is always better. You know, it's like any other issue, the longer we let it go, the more difficult it can become to treat. And while with many movement disorders, we may not be able to forestall or prevent the progression, we can do things to help people learn to live with their movement disorders, adapt to their disabilities in a healthier way, get them in touch with appropriate resources, and just help them learn through rehabilitation techniques, things that can improve the quality of their life and their functioning longer term. If you're just joining our discussion, you're listening to ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunch, your host, and with me today is Dr. Cindy Ivanhoe. We are discussing rehab for movement disorder. Now, you're a physiatrist, right? That's correct. Now, how would we know whether to send patients to you and your colleagues or to neurologists? That's a good question. I think even neurologists and physiatrists have that question. (laughs) Probably more so. (laughs) Yeah. It's somewhat regional. I think that there are subspecialties within everything, within neurology, within physiatry, and it somewhat depends on where you're practicing and what the specific interests are of the neurologist and the physiatrist. There are neurologists who do rehabilitation, you know, neurologic rehabilitation, and there are physiatrists who do neurologic rehabilitation. So it's more a question, to my way of thinking, it's more a question of the approach of the specific physician to how they treat their patient. My bias is to look for physicians who will take a more holistic overview of that patient's functioning. So in my setting in rehabilitation, 
I'm not just going to look at the specific diagnosis. I'm going to be looking at how does that diagnosis affect the patient's day-to-day function. Mm -hmm. So I think that in terms of the rehabilitation approach, whether it's a neurologist or a physiatrist or a physiatrist, depending, again, where you live regionally, it's more a question of how they approach that patient. So just like with all referrals, getting to know the actual people you're referring to is probably the best approach. Certainly that's ideal. You know, a physiatrist who treats primarily sports injuries is probably not the person that you're going to send someone to who has a significant movement disorder. And, you know, similarly with a neurologist, a neurologist who potentially treats sleep disorders, not necessarily restless legs because that is a sleep disorder and a movement disorder. But, you know, everyone has their own area of expertise and it's a question more of the person and then the specialty. And you mentioned earlier that the best time to refer these patients is early, perhaps in the course of their illness. So does that mean we should pretty much send everybody with the movement disorder on for at least a consultation? I think that it's certainly a possibility, though not always necessary. You, again, have to look at the big picture of what sorts of questions is that particular patient or patient and family? What are the questions that they're asking? Do you have the information available to you to help them move on in living with this diagnosis, or do you need to send them elsewhere for that information? Are there treatments available that maybe the referring physician isn't particularly aware of or that comfortable with, or maybe they've heard of a specific treatment, but they don't you know, really know if it's being used or not, then that might be a time to refer someone. But if you have a patient who you know has a progressive disorder, I think it's warranted to send them fairly early on to the specialist who may be helping them deal with the progression of that disorder. Because it's not only about the medical care, I think it's also about establishing a relationship and an understanding of that patient and their family mm-hmm. and how that unit works with the physician who's treating them. Now, Dr. Ivanhoe, do we know what causes movement disorders? Movement disorders are caused by injury to the nervous system, the central nervous system. Certain areas of the brain are more likely to manifest with movement disorders than others. And then there are certainly many idiopathic movement disorders. Cindy, what kind of treatment might you provide as a physiatrist to a patient that has a movement disorder? Again, that will be specific to the movement disorder. If a patient has issues related to spasticity or abnormal muscle tone, excessive muscle tone, then it might involve treatments to decrease that muscle tone, such as botulinum neurotoxin injections, intrathecal baclofen, sometimes oral medications for spasticity. If a patient is having difficulty from their movement disorder with regards to their swallowing, it may be referring that patient for a modified barium swallow or a swallow study to see what sorts of consistencies they have difficulty with and what types of techniques can they incorporate into their eating so that they can meet their nutritional needs. Sometimes it's somewhat preventative in terms of preventing skin breakdown or other nerve injuries, falls. It might involve bracing if a patient has weakness related to their movement disorder. So there are different interventions depending on how each movement disorder manifests. Now, is there a place that docs who are listening can go to learn more about movement disorders? There are certainly multiple websites related to movement disorders. There's MDVU, the Movement Disorders Virtual University. There is WeMove. There are websites dedicated to neurotoxins, to spasticity, to Parkinson's disease, to just about any movement disorder you can name. 
If you're just joining our discussion, you're listening to ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunch, your host, and with me today is Dr. Cindy Ivanhoe. We are discussing rehab for movement disorder. Speaking of all these different movement disorders, which is the most common typically in your practice as a physiatrist? The movement disorders that I see most of the time are either disorders of muscle tone, such as spasticity and dystonia, which are usually related to just about any sort of central nervous system injury, most commonly stroke or traumatic brain injury. And that would manifest as excessive muscle tone. Patients can have difficulty isolating a movement across a joint. In other words, when people think of that typical spastic pattern where the wrist and the fingers are flexed, the elbow is flexed, the shoulder is internally rotated, and patients have a hard time breaking out of that pattern to just be able to move, for instance, one joint as opposed to the entire body or the entire limb taking on that abnormal posture. Dystonia is also very closely related and I think medical professionals, we tend to use those terms somewhat interchangeably, spasticity, dystonia, spastic dystonia, spastic co-contraction, but basically they're all disorders of muscle tone that interfere with function. Those are the things that we see the most commonly, certainly Parkinson's disease and Parkinsonism is a very commonly seen movement disorder and that manifests with rigidity, tremor, drooling, problems with voicing over time, etc. Other things that maybe we wouldn't even think of that you see in your practice with regard to movement disorders? Well, there are certainly things like restless leg syndrome, which are often seen by sleep neurologists or sleep disorder specialists. Torticollis, which is essentially cervical dystonia. People used to call it more uh, wry neck, when people have twisting of the head into different directions. Tremors. Spasmodic dystonia, uh, where patients have trouble with voicing, although I personally wouldn't be the one to treat that. Usually it's ENT who may intervene in that sort of movement disorder. Athetosis, ataxia are all examples of movement disorders that would be treated either in rehabilitation or neurorehabilitation. So ataxia due to anything or just post-stroke? What would be the cause of that? No, it can be due to anything. There may be some subtle differences in the way we approach these specific disorders in our therapies, but overall, it's still going to be neurologically oriented people who are treating them. Which is the hardest out of all the things we've talked about for you as a rehab doc? What do you maybe sort of cringe when you see that next person on your schedule? (laughs) That's a great question. Um, It's not so much that I cringe when I see them on my schedule. It's more like I cringe when I try to figure out what I'm going to tell them is going to come down the road for them, Uh. and that's ataxia. I think that far and away, ataxia is one of the more difficult things to treat, problems with that coordination, and how patients will do with our treatments and our interventions. There's so much research yet to be done in what's the appropriate way to treat these patients and what treatment works best for which patient. And another thing that's, I think, a huge factor is why do they have the ataxia and where are they in their stage of recovery? So... The ataxia that somebody may have from something like spinocerebellar degeneration is going to have a different prognosis than the ataxia that we may see earlier on in somebody who has, for example, a traumatic brain injury or a stroke involving certain parts of the brain that help with coordination. But very often, you know, when a patient shows up who's ataxic, there's a part of me inside that cringes and says, 
I hope this can get better. Mm. And what's the best way to make it better? Sometimes our interventions, no matter what we're treating, we may not help. They may actually hurt. And then we have to back off and try a new way. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. I'd like to thank our guest, Dr. Cindy Ivanhoe. We have been discussing the role of the physiatrist in treating movement disorders. She mentioned a couple great websites, wemove.org and mdvu.org, as further resources. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your questions and comments, so please visit us at reachmd.com. Our new on-demand and podcast features will allow you to access our entire program library. Thank you for listening. Listen all month as ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals, features a special series, Spotlight on Neurology and Psychiatry.